Two Cinema Vino. Uh-huh. We've got a two-man game going. It's me and Sean Jordan. Just one little handshake over here. Coming at you. We're like, <laughs> we're like a garage band, two members, just coming at you with some hard rock. Uh, <laughs> like Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or the, or the, was the Black Keys, the White Stripes? Yeah. Yeah. Both uh, of those. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, Summer Chaos is now, this is the, oh, coming down the home stretch. Mind Meg, in, if this is the White Stripes? Yeah, I think you're going to have to be. All right. Yeah, you're holding down, you're, you're playing. Lying down the ones and the twos. Yeah, you're playing the quarter notes. And that's that's it. about it. Yep. No fills. <laughs> Which I like my drums anyway. She um, had some eighth notes in the. The vamp up to the chorus. A little bit. Yeah, you're right. Dun, dun, dun. There, there was that was one of the first songs I learned. There was a little bit of flavor. It was like a rice cake with a little bit of salt on it. Not a lot of salt, but a little bit of salt. Yep. So, um, This is the penultimate episode of the Summer of Chaos. We're going to talk about legend. No, it's not penultimate. We've got this, and then we've got Battle Royale. Oh, and then Dread. You're and right. And Dread. So this is... And Robocop. This is the penultimate to the penultimate. Yeah. And then... Penultimate recording. And then I think Robocop's a gap. It's just kind of in between. Right. We, we just tossed it in just because it sounds... Gap here. Yeah. Just a little bit of something to fill in. It's like a, it's like a caulk that we used in between some tiles. Don't like that. <laughs> but that that's the, the metaphor I went for, and there you go. It's the caulk in the tiles. Yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the grout, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Drinking that imagery, mm. won't you? Um, so we're going to talk about Legend with Tom Cruise, and we're drinking some white Bordeaux. Uh, for those of you who are coming in late to this series, basically we do a random wheel. We spin a wheel. We put a bunch of varietals on the wheel and also like beer and cocktails, whatever the wheel picks. That's what we do for the Summer Chaos. These movies were all picked out at random. We put random movies in the hat, drew them out. So pretty much anything goes for this entire summer. And so, same thing with wine. Anything goes. So, for this one, we got white Bordeaux. This is La Chateau Lafreniere. This is a 2022 white Bordeaux. A um, little bit of background for those who may not know. Um, we were actually talking about this before the podcast, that uh, Bordeaux is now known as a red wine region. But up until about 50, 60 years ago, it was a white wine region. Uh, it was known for its white grapes. Um, Bordeaux are going to be... White Bordeaux is primarily Sauvignon Blanc with some Simeon and some Muscadel. There's a few other grapes they mix in there, but those are the main three that you're going to see. It's, then they're mainly Sauvignon Blancs. Is this kind of like how like the Republican Party and the Democratic Party kind of switched identities somewhere in the like 40s, 50s? Around the, around the New Deal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Now it's like five, six to one red wines to white. It used to be the opposite. Hmm. Um, you'll also see white wines. Uh, you'll also see a type of wine made from these same grapes called a Sauterne, uh, which is going to be, it's made completely differently. It's going to be a lot sweeter, a lot more sugary. Uh, those are very fancy, high-end, expensive white wines. So basically, just from the price tag alone, you'll never confuse a Sauterne with a white Bordeaux. These are going to be more affordable, you know, $15, $20 range. Not um, super sweet. It's no. uh, a little more tart, a little these peachy. Dry. Mm-hmm. These, these, and, and the first thing I think of is Sauvignon Blanc, and these will have some characteristics with of the same characteristics with other Sauvignon Blancs in the world. They're going to be a little bit grassy, a little bit citrusy, grapefruity. They're going to have some of those same yeah. kind of flavors to them. The main thing that's going to distinguish these wines is going to be, I've heard it referred to as minerality. I've heard it referred to as wet concrete. Mm. I've heard it referred to as chalk. Tasty. Yeah, limestone. But kind of that dry, um, refreshing 
edge that you don't necessarily find in, in other parts of the world. Kind of like what brings like the, the harshness of mineral water versus like the softness of tap. Yeah, exactly. Know? That's a good way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. got like a bite to it. It's got kind of like a little edge. Yeah. And you don't find that like, for example, New Zealand's often been known as grapefruit bombs, mm-hmm. uh, big, you know, fruit bombs. And you don't see that as much. These are, I, I, this is my favorite region for Sauvignon Blanc. They're balanced. That's why I love French wines in general. They don't go out of the way in any one direction. They're nice and balanced, you know? And so it's, it's great for that. The, this one has that nice, it's got some grassiness to it. It's got some fruit, you know, but it's dry. And so this would be great. I mean, people say seafood. I'm not a big seafood fan, but, you know, kind of a lighter seafood meal is perfect for that. Um, You're yeah, not a big seafood fan? Not a big seafood fan. Just period? Not really. Um, shrimp? I, I mean, I don't mind shrimp. It's not my first thing that I, I go to. Lobster? Yeah, same. Okay. Um, Bass? When, catfish? I, I, I don't mind catfish. I've had some catfish. That's garbage. <laughs> catfish is garbage. Um, but I remember in Bar- when we went to Barcelona, we took a cooking class. It was on our honeymoon, my wife and I. We did a, it was all seafood. Paella? Uh, we had some paella. We made some paella. Hmm. Um, we did um, octopus. We did squid. I mean, we tried the gamut of seafood stuff that they had in the Mediterranean. It was like, that was a good indication. It's like, I don't like this. This is not for me. Yeah, not my taste. It's fair. It's fair. Um but I will say that we did some a, a wine kind of similar to this, a Spanish white. And, yeah, this would be perfect with a wide variety of seafood. Mm. Uh, some of the stuff that's bigger and more buttery, you might want to go for, like, a, a white burgundy, like a shard. But this is this is a good, this is a good like, hot weather, outdoor type of wine. It's nice and refreshing. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, 25 bucks, not a whole lot of money. Um, but, yeah, any good wine store, you should be able to find a nice white Bordeaux section. So... Look, look for those uh, while the weather's still warm. Um, but now, legend. Talk about this movie a bit. This was released in the United States April 18th, 1986. So You say in the United States. This, yeah. Where did it come out before? It was released in Europe the year before. This had a very difficult production. This was a difficult movie to realize. It, it, it has a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so this grossed worldwide a twenty three twenty three million dollars against a twenty five million dollar budget. So in eighty six, yeah, that's a big budget, huge, and for several reasons. Uh, big reason for that is that when they started filming, uh, a fire broke out and burned down the 007 Studios studios where they were filming at Leaves in England. So pretty much had to build new sets. That's probably plot. all the magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, some of the sprite costumes caught fire, <laughs> or the unicorn hair. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. There's one wrong look, that unicorn horn. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> but they uh, had to build new sets, and uh, Ridley Scott's original cut of the movie ran for between two and a half, three hours. So, Jeez, and the final cut was like, what, hour and a half? Yeah, the version that I watched, I don't know if you saw the original, the 89-minute version, or if you watched the director's cut. I think I watched the, I watched the 89 version. Okay, that's yeah. what I, I couldn't, I looked around, I had trouble finding it. That's the version I know the best, so I went back to that one. The director's cut? No, the, oh, the OG. Original. Yeah. There's a director's cut out there. Um, Is it like two to three hours? No. So basically, when the final cut of this print was released, Ridley Scott watched it, watched this cut and freaked out and thought that basically American audience couldn't grasp this much plot. And so he cut the film basically in half, down to 89 minutes. And... Uh, when it came out, it got mediocre reviews. Didn't obviously see. Didn't do well at the box office. He just watered it down too much. Yeah, huh. Gene Siskel put this as one of his worst movies of that year. Um, 
and the international cut that came out the year before was 93 minutes. So, and it got a little bit better reviews, but still not great. And then 2002, they somebody found a full like work print of the movie in a can somewhere, and so they took that out and restored it, remastered it, and really Scott added about 25 minutes to the cut that the director's cut. So it cut it comes in in like 115 minutes, give or take. Huh. And he and Tom Cruise have gone on the record saying that's the version to see. I was going to say, I, I was reading that Tom Cruise was like saw the movie in theaters and was like, that's not the movie we filmed. Yeah. That's not it. I mean, you could imagine with that much cut out, it's going to be almost incoherent. That's yeah, like a whole other act. Yeah. Yeah. And so and then basically the director's cut, yeah, it's a whole other fleshed out thing. And I have seen that once. I saw it when it came out. Um, I think I've got that on DVD somewhere. And the one thing I would say is it does, it adds a few scenes. It makes the motivations a little bit deeper, especially for the character of the darkness and his relationship with uh, the princess, Lily. And this stuff, the... the Yeah, it's kind of just... It, not to cut to the chase, but it's, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. He's just, like, obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh, I must have her. It feels very rushed. It feels like a plot of necessity, mm-hmm. not like a plot of, you know, any reason. Yeah. They're I'm, just like, we need to stall him. How do we do it? Love interest. Yeah. And it's like it's like I'm telling a story to my three-year-old, and it's like I got to kind of get something else in here. Cause you got to kind of yada, yada, yada over motivations. We're coming in for a landing too quick. We got to just yeah. shoot uh, Pull up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so basically this is a fairly straightforward fantasy story. Tom Cruise plays Jack, who is a protector of the forest. Um, I was a little vague on what exactly he is. Is he a bard? Is he a ranger? I mean, he'd be more druid. Is he druid? Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't place what he was supposed to be. It's like, this is where we need Travis. Yeah. He would be. And if Travis had an answer that I would be impressed because I, they, to me, they don't spell that out at all. I, I guess he would be more of a ranger. Yeah. Because he didn't really have any sort of like shape shifting ability or had any ability to talk with trees. Really, his only thing was he had like one on one connection with the sprites, right? Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, he had good buddies, a working relation, mm-hmm. yeah. and he wore a loincloth. Yes, so there was that. Dude, he was showing that thing off. He was. Yeah, and that's what I, you know. Yeah. In that situation, it's like check out my hairless legs. <laughs> um, my supine body. Yeah, check out these smooth legs. Um, but so Mia Sarah plays Lily. Uh, this is her uh, starring debut. Next year she would go on to play in Ferris Bueller. Yep, amongst other things. Um, her hair when she transforms into the dark version. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. This great production value is great. Everything oh, costumes, hair for twenty five million. It better be. Yeah, yeah. And those are real unicorns. Yeah, <laughs> they better be. Yeah, I mean that's the now. It's like that would be a hundred million plus. To make this thing easy, easy, easy. So yeah, Lord of Darkness, played by Tim Curry, who is unrecognizable in a mountain of makeup. Honestly, but might be one of my favorite representations of the devil. Yeah, like this makeup job is incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, in theory, we'll get to this later. That should be great casting to play to have Tim Curry. Yeah, I almost want to see more of Tim Curry in the face, like see more of him. You know, mm-hmm. almost you know Faustian Devil and Daniel Webster kind of thing, where it's like you can see like him just being rascally or whatever. Mischievous. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Lord of Darkness seeks to cover the world in darkness. No, no. <laughs> plot out the sun. Conveniently, no. yeah. Typical plot device. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that, he needs the Horn of a Unicorn, which is the most sacred and majestic of all fantastic creatures. Basically, he wants to if take the unicorns out of the world, take the horns out of the world, and the, the world... representation of 
purity, <laughs> little horn of the unicorn. Yes. The world goes dark. Um, it, the, everything turns into kind of a barren, frigid tundra of darkness. He just has goblins that work for him inexplicably. Yeah, incompetent goblins. Yeah. It's nice. It's, he, but they rhyme. They talk in riddles. They do, they do rhyme. But, you know, he kind of has the James Bond villain of incompetent people working under him, you know. If anything, that's the thing that slows him down as much as, you know, these James Bond villains. Like, you hired a bunch of idiots. He also has, like, the Bond villain thing of, like, doing a lot of monologuing. <laughs> yes. Let me vamp for five minutes while you prepare your thing to destroy me. Yeah, let me blather. <laughs> um, and really soak in this victory of mine. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stop paying attention to you while you come up with a way to defeat me. Interesting chain of mirrors you have. I'll ignore <laughs> yeah. that. Is that sunlight? Wow. More about me. <laughs> um, like I was saying, as a boy, <laughs> I found unicorns beautiful. From the dawn of time. Um, so Jack and Lily get separated, and he, she chucks his wedding ring in the... She chucks her ring her into ring. the lake. And he has and to it's jump just out. Like, Whoever gets that ring, I will marry. Mm-hmm. Which, missed opportunity by darkness. He could have easily gotten that. Yeah. Cut this whole movie in half. Yeah. I don't know if he's a strong swimmer with those hooves, but, you know. He has powers. That's I think he would just get to the bottom and boil the lake. There you go. It's convenient. That's what I would do. If that's what he had done, I would have given this movie about two more full points. <laughs> if he just boiled the lake and taken the ring and married her and the credits came up, that's, that's my... That's strong. Credits. That's strong. You know, and they just, like, settle down in hell together. Yep. That's that's a hell of a movie. So, um, so yeah, Jack goes on a quest to retrieve the horn, save the unicorns, reunite with his, lo- with his lost love. And for that, he's going to ally himself with Gump, Honeythorn Gump, who's an elven ranger, two rascally dwarves, and Una, who's a lovesick sprite. So, there's that. Had you seen this before? No. This was a first. This was a first, first go for me. So, what did you think? Uh, it was kind of all over the place. Like I, I could tell it had really good production value, but the story was just not there. Mm-hmm. It was, su- it was like oversimplified. It was, um, just kind of, bleh, bleh. exactly. They just sort of like paced over a lot of sections to just get to the next part, mm-hmm. which when you have a movie that's fantastical, like you got to go kind of fantastic with it. Yeah. Right? You got to like really zhuzh up the story and like, yeah play in the world you've created, mm-hmm. but instead they just sort of like make jumps inexplicably. They rush. Yeah. Yeah. So like sections that should be like fully hashed out just sort of end up being yeah. nonsense. And you just think, okay, I'm just going to chalk this up to world building, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. But then they just never really tie anything up with a bow and they never really like clean things up. Like the whole thing with the Sprite and like she was in love with... Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise was just like playing her. Yeah. I I don't know, man. Yeah. I, it was just it felt so all over the place. Like I said, I loved the the Tim Curry devil. Mm-hmm. Like a great representation of the devil. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Like and I think I had seen pictures of him before because it just seemed like something like a super familiar devil face. Yeah. But it was just so big and so well done and grandiose that I was like, they need more of this. Like, I want to see, like, I yeah. want to see him played out. Yeah. Give him some room to room, room, room to, to breathe. Room yeah. to be Tim Curry. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, to me, stories like this, I mean, it's like Tolkien where it's like they, they need that extra room to get comfy and really tell you the story, get, relax and let it unfold. Yeah. Let it breathe. Don't hurry through it. Yeah. To me, that's a marathon, not a sprint, you yeah. know? That's that's a great thing about Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, where it's like he gives it three full books to get going. You know, there's like a whole chapter on Tom Bombadil just singing down a hill. Yeah, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the plot, but you get to play in the the world that he built. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. A lot of talking trees. A lot of ants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like this one, the unicorns. They were like, yeah, the male, he's been killed, and all that's left is the female, and then like the female rears up and it's like that's a dick mm-hmm. that that mayor has a dick yeah 25 million dollars you gotta be able to photoshop out a dick <laughs> we got rules about that i mean what, what was the was it uh was it the latest black panther when they had to like photoshop out namor's dick really yeah i didn't hear about that he bulged too much yeah yeah as you do like you do <laughs> but he's just wearing like a speedo basically so i mean yeah what are you gonna do that was like the Northman where they had to, with Willem Dafoe, supposedly they had to tone down his wingding. Yeah, because he's hung like a horse. Yeah, it wasn't that it was small. It was it was too much. It was too big. The audiences can't handle this. You know, no. It's too, too much. You know, get that thing down to size. <laughs> <laughs> and can you imagine being the CGI artist at a at a MacBook Pro, you know, having, yeah. okay. Using Adobe to just like, just, okay, let me just do the. Go ahead and Photoshop out some of this giant dick. Is that like a pre-built-in like scroller in Adobe? Is mm-hmm. just it's just like a, There's a macro zero to one hundred. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of go yeah, the, slider, and it just kind of shrinks. You know, you don't want to go too far. Have a micro, but you know, it's like it's called the pool setting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was in the pool. <laughs> yeah, so don't give them too much shrinkage. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can imagine again just being that guy at the computer. It's like okay, this. What did you do today? It's like I. I had to harness Willem Dafoe's dick down to normal size. Yep. You know, I had to lasso a giant dick. <laughs> but like $25 million and they just kind of ignored that. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, it, they, they kind of ignored a lot of this movie. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know if y'all went to like a biology class, anatomy class, and you're going to high school. That's not a mare. That's not a mare. That's what's called a stallion. <laughs> Um, they they cut off the unicorn horn with like a, saw, a sword, a saw. I don't know what they used. Yeah. I don't remember. Something primitive. It. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's just like it kills the unicorn. Mm-hmm. And then he just has a cool new tool. Mm-hmm. And he just waves it around. Yeah. Yeah. Again, none of that stuff was really properly explained. It's like. Nope. You know, you would think a unicorn horn is going to be, if it's the most magical thing on earth, to be tougher to. Build the lore. Yeah. Tell me what it is. Give me more, you know. You know, don't give me like a like the cooking shows. They give you like the little tiny plate of food with like a little bit of presentation. Give me a feast. You know, when it comes to this nerdy shit, don't that's right. Don't skimp on it. You know, give me everything. It's not so rich you have to treat it like a truffle. Yeah, like, exactly. It's it's a full on cake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, what would you give this as a score? Five. I I think it's a five. Or it didn't the same mind. Yeah. Yeah. It did not keep my attention at all. No. I mean, I. Honestly, don't even know why this has, other than it being Tom Cruise, like, why is this a movie that's like, why is this, a thing? Why is this still around? Why is this a thing? Because mm-hmm. it's clearly a thing. I mean, that people are into this. Still watch it. Still talk about it. Yeah. I don't get it. I had never seen it. And I honestly hadn't really heard of it until we had talked about it. Because mm-hmm. I was even like, what? Legends? Like that movie with yeah. the twin brothers? Like, is that? <laughs> yeah. well, and it's like, I saw this as a kid. And 
how you know that this is truly mediocre. This is the kind of things in my wheelhouse. I'm a goober. Yeah, this is up your alley. Yeah. And it's like watching this, it's like, no, this this just doesn't even little dorky twelve year old me, it's like this is just pass. Yeah. This is flaccid. This is like a flaccid mare's penis. <laughs> it's like this is not doing it for me. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> um yeah, I'm a five. I'll, I'll be curious. Again, I saw the the director's cut. People say, oh, my God, it's so much better. To me, it was just more of the same. It's, it gives you more, but not enough still. It still feels rushed. And this was Travis's pick, right? It was. Okay. And I'll be curious to hear his his thoughts on it later. Whenever Pretty we... much any time like a sword and sorcery movie pops up, it's, like, Travis. it's Travis's pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's he's out, you know, stomping through the Everquads. He is. Yeah, he's... He is hunting for gar, you know. He's he's gonna snag a spoonbill out there. He's somewhere. trying noodling, mm-hmm. but you know, I think he's in the wrong spot. He doesn't have the hands for that. No, you know, you gotta have bigger mitts to pull up those fish. He's got those little baby hands. Yeah, he might pull up some little tiny sunfish, but he ain't getting no catfish. He'll get some perch. He might get catfished, but he ain't getting catfish. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a five. This 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 has never done it for me. There's. Couple movies like that out there. I mean, I hate to say it, it's like Clue. You know, some movies just never. You were a five on Clue. I wasn't a five on Clue. I think I was a five, five or a six. Yeah. I, I know you love Clue. I never went back and listened to the episode. Man, that that hurts me. <laughs> um, some movies it's just they. That I, one's a humdinger ten. <laughs> um, and it can it could be like how I tried coffee as a kid, and when I tried this guy. Wait, do you just hate Tim Curry? I love Tim Curry. Name one movie. Rocky Horror. Okay. Damn. Um, that, was e- that was easy. Yeah. Two movies. <laughs> I loved him even, and it was a mediocre, but the Three Musketeers where he plays Cardinal Richelieu. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the it's Young Guns, but they had like Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, and I want to say Christian Slater's the Three Musketeers, which is badass. You know, that those are my Three Musketeers. You know, <laughs> fuck all Any day. Yeah, yeah, these Shakespearean actors they put in there. But uh, Chris O'Donnell's my D'Artagnan. But... <laughs> Uh, basically, Tim, <laughs> Tim Curry just steals that movie as yeah. uh, Cardinal Richelieu. Um, but Home Alone too, also as the as the hotel guy, the, up at Treasure Island. Yeah, I mean, he's just there's so many good movies. He's just a great villain, you know, and just a great character actor. He is a great character actor. He I, just, I just love Tim Curry. He's got one of those faces. It just, it just fits in the movies. You know, you just see it, and the, the movie instantly gets better. So. But that's the thing is that you can't even tell it's him in this movie. You can't. I, I, it took me a minute to realize that's Tim Curry. I honestly only knew it from the credits. Like yeah. I saw the credits pop up Tim Curry and I was like, oh, I wonder who he is. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's Satan. Yeah. And again, he's got one of the greatest faces. Yeah. You know, it's like, let, use it. Yeah. Use less makeup. I know the makeup. Well, great, and he but. uses his face so well in his acting mm-hmm. to plaster him with prosthetics. Just kind of, huh, yeah. Takes away from it. And to me, yeah, this is a more generic Lord of Darkness. You know, he's like, oh, oh, oh. you know, to me, I need more of, you know, Tim Curry chewing the scenery, you know, being colorful and weird. Pacing. Yeah. You know, using the space. To me, it's like the Robin Hood with Alan Rickman, where it's like that character could have been a very bland villain, but then, you know, Alan Rickman turns him into this just off the wall, you know, tyrant who just chews the scenery, just is gives weird speeches. You know, just a, a very eccentric villain, and it's just great. Well, and I think because they put him in so much, like, the character himself had, like, big cloven hooves, mm-hmm. giant horns, big face. Like, he pretty much had to be sitting the entire time he was acting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they had him on, because I think Tim Curry's about five foot ten, and they elevated him, like, seven feet tall with these stilts he was wearing, so he'd be just big and monstrous. But I think it just made him look less like him. Yeah. 
I kind of like the idea of a shorter death, you know, again, just like kind of a Napoleonic death. It just has a complex, you know. I mean, I'm the devil. Yeah, I hate to say it. it's like kind of like the devil in South Park in the movie. You know, it's like just kind of inadequate. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funnier to watch Tim Curry as that character, I think. You know, just kind of struggling to impress people with his evilness. <laughs> That's a character I would get behind. I'm trying to think. who The devil and little Nicky. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, who was that actor? Um, I can't think. We'll have to look. Again, Travis would already be on his phone right now. Yeah, so I know. That would be handy. But anyway... Um, yeah, this was, this was about like I remember it. I didn't expect a whole lot. I hate to say I go, I go into movies like that. I didn't love as a kid with kind of preconceived ideas and so still didn't love it, but. So how often did you rewatch this one? Um, I mean, probably less than five times, three or four times total. Harvey Keitel. Oh yeah. Okay. Makes sense. He was a good devil. He was. Um, but yeah, uh. La, Chateau Lafrenel, uh, White Bordeaux, uh, 2022. Uh, quite good. Quite refreshing. If you're looking for something that the weather's hot wherever you are, um, it's something to go for. I would recommend it highly. Um, but yeah, this has been another episode of Cinema Vino. My name's Todd Wofford. I'm here with Sean Jordan. It's good to be here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Talking Legend. Uh, we'll continue next um, with Battle Royale, which was Sean's pick. Yes, it was. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one. I have thoughts too. So, uh, great movies, only drunker. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Be sure to listen, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our website is at cinemavino.net, and reviews of these films can be found at toddwaffordmovies.com.